Welcome to Bible Harmony, Called to Action. This um, lesson is going to be entitled, Words Have Meaning, as we shall soon see. Words do have meaning. We've been doing picture words, and a lot of the picture words that I have been trying to use were, uh, not all of them, but some of them, only have one meaning. Um, But these words... Some of these have two meanings, as, I, as you will soon see. We're going to do humble first. Humble. It could mean low, as in to uh, fall down in humility. Um, it is to destroy. The picture word is to destroy the wall. That's the picture word you're seeing up there. Destroy the wall. When all defenses fall, as in the wall, down, the defenses are gone. And when that happens, there is humility. I guess the opposite of humility would be pride, then, wouldn't it? Uh, Humility is you're just an open book to people. The second humble is afflicted. What comes from watching the action? Remember, Hebrews all action words. Action, action. Everything has an action to it. Um, it means to be focused, humbled. You're you're focused. This um, has a root meaning. Come right in. And it means to be busy, occupied, or to labor. So humble can mean you're afflicted. You're busy, you're occupied, you're laboring. The poor and the humble are always working. You see that over and over in Scripture. The other meaning is to answer or to respond. This is the action part of it. To answer or to respond. You're humbled and you're gonna, it's going to call for an action or you're seeing an action and you're going to respond to it. When we are focused, we labor And we respond quickly. Have you ever talked to someone and you're saying something for them to do and they just look at you? They're not focused on you, are they? Their their mind is focused somewhere else. So to be humble means you're listening and you're going to be focused on what that person is saying or asking you to do. We respond to what we are watching. I wrote... been thinking about that. That's not in your notes. Um, It could be our action to God's acts. When God, you see God's action and it causes you to respond and it's always going to be in humility. Okay, so here we go. Exodus 10.3 And Moses and Aaron are going before Pharaoh to let uh, God's people go. So they went before Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, note the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourselves before me? Now this is the word of the Lord saying to Pharaoh, How long is it before you're going to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Well, he was proud, wasn't he? And God's going to do what to him? He's going to bring him down. He's going to bring him low. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, 
and he humbled you, talking about the children of Israel, and Deuteronomy is summing up the whole life of their journey. And he humbled you, children of Israel, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Why did he do that? Why did he humble you? Note the last part. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. So God humbled them for a reason. And he wanted the right response from them. Sometimes he humbles us for a reason too, folks. He can humble you just in an everyday situation, and there's a reason behind it. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Focus on what God is doing. What did God do? Did he feed them? Did he take care of them? Yeah, he did. He fed them and he took care of them. But he let them get to the place that they were what first? Hungry. Hungry. Um, You can apply that spiritually. I hunger and thirst for righteousness. I hunger to know God's word. And when you do, then you open the word of God and he's going to feed you. He's going to supply that need. Deuteronomy 8.16 Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. He humbles us often to test us to see what response we're going to give. Do you see that uh, to do good? That's good in God's eyes. So do you remember what good means? To be in harmony with God. In the beginning, God created, he created, and he said that was good. And the next day, he created, and he said that was good. Good means to be in harmony with who God is. God wants you in harmony with him. And if he says it's good, then that action should be one that we want. Psalm 25, 9. He leads, like the shepherd, he leads who? The humble in what is right and teaches who? The humble his way. Hmm. God is leading. He's given you the action that he's taking. And he wants you to follow his way. And those are the ones that he can teach. Somebody said to me the other day, um, they just, you know, this is what they believed. And I said, well, are you willing to be taught something? Are you willing to see that maybe what you were taught isn't always right? No, really, I'm not. So God can't work with a person that is not willing to be led by, be led by God and not be led by their own self-pride. Self-pride takes on a lot of different looks, doesn't it? It really does. Okay, Isaiah 66, 2. All these things my hand has made, God speaking. And so all these things came to be. He made it, it came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble 
So God's saying, I did all these great things. But who's he looking for to teach? And who's he looking for to know God's word and direct and lead? He's looking for the humble person. Humble person, remember that. Um, are we focused on... We read over the scriptures, and this is my thing lately. We read over the scriptures. In the, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was filled with void and darkness. And God, and we just, oh yeah, I know that. And you just, you don't mentally take it in and think on what you're reading. We all do this. I do it. But when you stop, turn everything off. Every Christian music, everything off, and you just read the word. It will take on a whole new dimension for you. I promise it will. Be focused on what you're reading. Zechariah 9.9, excuse me. Now this is the response. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. We're going to do behold in a minute. Righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foul, a foul, foul, can't say that right, foal, yeah, of a donkey. Uh, Well, that's how he entered into Jerusalem, wasn't it? Okay. Jesus, of all people, when you think about who he was, think about how humble he was. How humble he was. And we need to put on that attitude, not, oh, I know all of this. But what is it that God wants you to see out of these verses? Um, Their response from seeing the humbleness of the king of kings, behold your king, was to rejoice greatly and to shout aloud. Rejoice, a lot of rejoicing and shouting if you just start looking those verses up in the Bible. James 4, uh, 6 says, But he gives more grace, unmerited favor. Therefore it says, God opposes, who? The proud, but gives grace, favor, love to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And what's he going to do to you? He's going to exalt you. He's going to exalt you. We want to be exalted. We don't want to be humbled. And I think I could list a lot of people, not in this church, but that I've known in time past, who thought they were a somebody. And one day, God, I'm afraid, is going to humble them. And that's not going to be a pretty sight. I had rather be humbled and then let God exalt me one day. Uh, there's a story about that, but I don't. I won't go into it tonight with you. First Peter five four says, and on down through through, through eight. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, not just a few of you. That all of you stuck out to me. All of you, with what? With humility. Towards who? Towards one another. For God opposes the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. And we see grace and humble mentioned quite a bit together, don't we? So it's kind of important. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting, this was preacher's favorite verse, and this is a different translation. Casting all your, it was cares, casting all your anxieties. I like anxieties. I get anxious about stuff all the time. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Give it over to him. Give it to him. Be sober. Be serious. Be watchful. And I like that. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And don't let that be you. Okay? Okay. So that's humility. The main thing is to keep focused. And when God says to do something, do it quickly. Do it just as you were in the military, you didn't have a choice. When God said to do something, do it. Do it quickly. It's for your best interest. Behold. Now, this is an interesting word, behold. In fact, um, I've been using the, which one is it I've been using? The NIV. NIV? Yeah. been using the NIV. And... Um, and so I looked up the ESV then, that it didn't have hardly any beholds mentioned. You know how I look it up on the computer and you get to pick which translation, and I did all that. And uh, I said, really? One, some of the translations only had a couple of times it's mentioned. It's mentioned over a thousand times, behold. So I'm thinking it's a pretty important word. So um, the... ESV, um, and there's a reason I, I went and bought one tonight, um, but we'll talk about that later if you want to, because it has the word behold in it, and you're going to see it a lot in John, especially, and I was excited about this. I'm excited about doing John, by the way, if you can't tell, but it has also, behold, has also two, two meanings, two different words, two different picture words. The behold, it is, here it is. Behold it, here it is. Like you've lost something and you're going to go look for it, and whoo, here it is. Or God's fixing to give you something really important, and he's going to say, behold, here it is. Watch it, it's coming. You know, uh, it comes from an action. It's to call attention to the action. It's to call attention to the action. And that little... Sideways F, you see there on the picture word, it's a window. It's the lattice work of a window. And the middle sideways N is the action. And so you're looking out the panes of a window and beholding something, if that makes sense to you. That's what that word means. The second behold is, hey, um, it is the window reveals the leader. And it is the same window, and it's the strong leader. It's God. You see that symbol. Um, Genesis 1.29 says, And God said, and what's he going to say? Behold, behold. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm doing. 
I have given you every plant yielding seed that on the face of the that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in itself. You shall have them for food. Well, he's given them pretty good directions in it. Can't you just imagine him saying, do you see all these trees? Behold them. Look at them. They're beautiful with fruit all over them. That's for your food. That's for you to have for food. Um, and they've got their seed in them. They're going to fall and they're going to reproduce other Behold it. It's an important thought. Genesis 6.13, and God said to Noah, hmm, not going to be good. I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, get ready. I'm fixing to tell you something. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So he's telling you what he's fixing to do. Behold, Listen to what I'm saying. Now, he preached 120 years and nobody beheld it. Can you just imagine that? Not one person got saved during that time. Nobody beheld it. For behold, there it is again. I will bring a flood of waters. I'm going to bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breath of life and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Wow. So he tells you ahead of time what he's going to do and why he's doing it. And then he says it even stronger, but yet they still didn't behold it. Are we missing beholds in the Bible? Are we missing when God says, behold, I'm going to do this? The other versions, and I'm not knocking them because they do have a lot of good things in them. What you'll see is the word see. See? But we throw see around all the time. You know, behold is something grander, isn't it? It's more pointed. It's something to behold. It's a sight to behold. Um, Deuteronomy. Have I done that one? Deuteronomy 10:14. Behold. To the Lord, Yahweh, your God, belong. Uh-oh. What's he saying? Behold to the Lord, to Yahweh, your God. Remember, we've talked about all these other gods. There's a lot of them. We've already talked about that. This is Yahweh, your God, special God. Belong heaven and heaven of heavens, the earth, with all that is in it. God owns it all. God controls it all. It's all God's. There's even a lot going on in our world today which does not give him that due credit. Christian people, so-called. They don't give God the credit for all that he has and does and he controls and that he is. Be careful with that. Psalm 33:18. Behold. Here it is. Behold. The eye of Yahweh is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, a steadfast love. It's not, who I love you, but sorry, I'm leaving. It's a steadfast love. It does not end. If he loves you, he loves you all the time. Here it was 
even when you're bad, he loves you. That's why he pulls you back in through testing so often, through situations, to bring you back in like you would discipline your child. Um, He is watching everything that we are doing, his eyes beholding us. Psalm 54.4, Behold, God is my helper. You've seen this word before. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Now, a little more to helper than just somebody that's going to hold the nail while you drive it in. Helper, we talked about this in Genesis, our preacher preached on it. A helper is talking about, in that case, it was a woman. She's my helper. Helper means strong warrior. And I, I want him not to just hold a nail. I want him to be a strong warrior. I don't want him to be less than who he is. And so often do we see him in that way. Well, we just want to see him as lowly and meek and mild. He's not that any longer. He is for those of us that are saved. But he is the King of King and Lord of Lords. He is a strong helper. And in our time when we are to promote the kingdom of God, he wants that promoted probably more than we want it to be promoted. So to do so, he's going to do whatever you need to help come along beside you to be your helper to get that action to happen. Um, Lisa's going to give a testimony. She's not here tonight. And so I know people are shy about speaking up to people they don't know. I got over that a long time ago, but um, she had never done something that she did. And I can't wait for her to give you her testimony of what happened. Because we were talking about it in this class, about talking to someone, like I did the lady at the fabric store, remember? Yeah. And so she, she did that. Not, it didn't turn out the same. They won't ever turn out the same. But you're storing up information up here. And God knows what information you have up here. And so if he tells me to go and talk to Andrew, I said, well, ooh, I don't know. Andrew's been to Bible college. Andrew's got a lot of experience. I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. If it doesn't make it, it, that's not the point. We're missing the point. If you're a soldier, you do what you're told to do. We've kind of turned wimpy. So it's so amazing when this happens. If you haven't done it, you need to try it. And if he's telling me to go do that, then I walk up and I start talking to Andrew. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, this is what he needs. It has nothing to do with what knowledge he has. It's if he's in tune to the Holy Spirit, and I know he is, and then I say something to him, he's going to know that it's coming not from me, but from God to him, to give him direction. Does that make sense to y'all? And it needs to happen in this auditorium 24-7 when you're here on Sunday. People have come here for something. And it's, it is for the sermon. I grant that. But there's a lot of other things going on, too. Okay. Okay, that's enough of that. Um, Psalm 119.18, 18, 
I always show this in uh, discipleship. Open my eyes, and I pray this prayer before I read God's word. I'm asking God to open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, that I behold them, that I actually see something. I don't know if you've ever just read the Bible and you read something uh, many times before and you'll sit and read it again just per chance and all of a sudden you see something you've never seen before. Well, that is God allowing, opening your eyes to see something in the Word of God and thank Him for it. He's doing it for you. Matthew 1.20 But as he considered these things, behold, this is Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord. Now he's thinking about it. He's searching for information. Behold, what happened? The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Behold, an angel. Well, that ought to get your attention right away. And he's just thinking about it. He, it didn't say he was praying about it. He was just sitting here thinking about, what does this mean that she's pregnant? What am I going to do? Oh, my. And while he's thinking about it, behold, can you imagine what a shocker that was? He got the answer. Matthew 2, 9. I'm just wanting it so in your mind. After listening to the king, they went on their way. These are the wise men. And behold, he, they had to be looking. They had to behold it. There's a billion stars in the sky. Behold the star. It's a certain star. They recognized that star. That they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Remember, they went to look for baby Jesus, for the king who is born, and evidently the star couldn't be seen right then, which was good because the king didn't need to know. The political leaders, the Pharisees, they didn't need to know, and behold, there it was, right there, and it took them right where they needed to go. And John one thirty six, And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, this is John, uh, John the Baptist is saying, Behold, look at him, the Lamb of God. Behold him. That's an important verse. Um, Go down to thresh. To thresh means to trample. It's the door of teeth. Can you see in the symbols the door to your right? And then the next two symbols, it's attached. Teeth are attached to this door. That's what the word thresh means. Um, the purpose of threshing is to break up the chafe so that only the pure grain is left. This was done with a threshing sledge. 
It looked like a door. It was the size of, of that door. It was huge. And sharp flints were attached to the bottom of it. Now, the picture word explains the whole description of what it is. Grain was valuable. And during this time, when it was being threshed or trampled, 24-7 it had to be protected. Do you remember um, the story of Ruth? And he, she went to Boaz, and he was camped out. Why, he was a rich guy. Why is he camped out on the ground? Because right over there they had all the wheat or the grain, whatever the grain was at that point in time. People would steal it. So they, it was like a pile of money. It was very valuable. So they stayed with it until the whole threshing process was finished. Um, so that's an important word. We're going to talk about that word. Holy is the next word. And the symbol is it's got a backwards, well, it's got a P, uh, a capital P looking with a little crook on it. And it means what follows the threshing. You see the thresh, threshing is the same picture word is right above you there. It's what follows it. Holy follows the threshing. Once the grain is clean of its husk, it is considered good or valuable. It becomes holy. It becomes clean, usable. It's not usable with the, the husk around it. It's a little, it's thin husk thing, but you can't, you can't do anything with it. It's not good for anything. In Second Samuel uh, 24, and begins in verse 16, it says, And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor, and I don't know how to spell, pronounce his name very well, Adullah maybe, the Zebusite. Now David, the background to this is David had sinned. And he hadn't got it corrected, didn't go to God and get it right. And so the whole nation was suffering. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned. You see the behold there? He's drawing attention to it. Behold, see what I've done. I'm recognized I have done wickedly. But these sheep, because he was the shepherd, have what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. Well, then David does something that's very David-like. And Gad came um, that day to David, and he said to him, Go, arise, um, Go, I'm sorry, go up, raise up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aduna the Zebusite. So he's, God's telling him what to do. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord had commanded. Now God's telling him what to do. God's commanding him to do something. And let me skip down. Um, the, this king had said, no, I'll just give you the land. You don't have to pay me. You just go offer a sacrifice. And he said, um, 
David said, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. And the king said, let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sleds and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All this, O king, um, I'm going to give you. And he said, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king said, no, I want to buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, Yahweh, my God, that cost me nothing. That's so important. So David brought, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord, Yahweh, responded to the plea for the land and the plague was reverted, averted from Israel. That was how the temple site was secured. That's why it's so very special today. It was where the wheat was threshed. It was where it became purified in order to be used. It's a very big picture right there. Um, We might say serving God is going to cost. Hmm. It cost God first, didn't it? His son. Did it cost him? Oh, yeah. It will cost us too to offer to God what is pleasing to him. It shouldn't scare you. It should be exciting because he provides everything for you to offer to him. Uh, It was on this piece of land that the grain was crushed, causing the chaff to fall off. When the grain was willowed, that means thrown up in the air. Um, Now that just couldn't be. I've turned it off. So the useless part would be blown away. Only the pure grain would remain. God used the threshing floor for the temple in which he would dwell. Now let's consider the olive crushing. And this is just the last thing and we're going to go. The olive crushing. Well, that happened literally for thousands of years because olive oil has been the oil used for everything. And the Garden of Gethsemane was an olive orchard. That's what the garden was. It was an olive orchard. And it was in the garden that Jesus went to pray before he was crucified. Remember that? Uh, Interesting is that he prayed three times. Remember, he prayed and he went to the disciples. Why are you sleeping? He went back and prayed. He did it three times. And the last time, he was in such anguish uh, that he... He was bleeding, uh, blood instead of sweat. It was blood. And let me just cap- just summarize the rest of this, and you can read it for yourself. The olives were crushed three times also. Three crushings. Right there in that same place, there was a place to crush the olives. Jesus 
is our life. He was willing to be crushed for us. He was willing to die on the cross for us. The Holy Spirit is the type of the oil. It's all so neatly tied together. I think our problem is that we just don't turn it over to him. We don't behold it and we don't turn it over. Preacher got called to a church in Canton. Into Canton. And it was winter. It was right before Christmas. And so we moved there. And I had a little part-time job. My, my role was to keep enough money so we could survive. And so I had a, a part-time job off 360 over in Arlington. And it was just through the Christmas. And so he wanted me to keep that job. And I knew I needed to try to. But the weather stormed that morning. And it was icy. It was sleeting. And I had to drive from Canton off 360 in Arlington. And I was holding the wheel. It was very bad. CBs were in, and everybody was CBing. Be careful that hill. You know how they do if you've ever been around when the CBs are going on. It's just everybody's talking, and it's all going on. And um, so I, I, we were going. To me, the mountain was like Pikes Peak. It was a huge mountain. It wasn't that huge when I went back and looked at it, but it was enough that I couldn't keep traction. And I could see that there was um, grooves in the road in the left-hand lane. I was in the right-hand lane. So how to get to the left-hand lane? And now I'm praying. Oh, for sure I'm praying. I did not want to go that day. And everybody's hollering, be careful when you come up to this hill. And I said, well, I need to move over to the left-hand lane. Now, people are going to work. This is work traffic and big old trucks. And So I said, I need to move to the left lane because more people have gone down that way, and so that would be a better road to be on. So I um, carefully got over, and, of course, I lost control of the car. I know when it car when it's going, when you're skidding to the left, you turn the wheel to the left. You know, I knew all of that. I was trying to do that, holding on to this wheel. I turned loose. I held the wheel, but I let it have free reign in my hand, and I shut my eyes. And I said, God, it's up to you. I cannot do this. But I let it flow. I didn't take my hands like this, but I let, and, I, and that wheel just went, oh, it just went crazy. And I said, okay, I'm not going to take my hands off of it. I'm just going to let you to control it. And I shut my eyes and held my head down like this. And people were going around hollering, ma'am, you've got to do something. <laughs> I'm not doing nothing. It's, God's going to do it or it's not going to get done. And I'm thinking, I can't afford, you know, we couldn't afford to have a wreck. And, so I came to a halt. Now the question was, am I going to open my eyes? <laughs> the steering wheel just stopped. And I thought, okay, it stopped. Am I turned backwards? Am I on which lane am I on? What's going to happen when those cars come? And the CBers were just blaring. And I opened my eyes. 
It was God that did this. I was in the shoulder on the right-hand side, headed in the right direction. And I had, I spun and I spun and I did all kinds of things. That was a miracle. I knew it was. Because, and so if, if the weather gets icy, I have had too many of these kinds of incidents. And I, you know, and so I pulled up, I sat there. They were going past me. Are you okay? Sit there for a little while. You've been through it. And I said, okay, okay, I'm okay. Do I call? No, I'm okay. Don't call anybody. Just let me sit here a minute. And I did. I sat there for a few minutes, and I thought, well, now this is crazy. I need to get on down the road, right? Which I did, and I stayed in the right-hand lane <laughs> you know, and just creeped right along and got to work and told the lady, I'm sorry, I was going to work for you another month, but this is my last day. And I told her what happened. And she said, I'm going to write you a check and you go home and you don't worry about it. You wait till the traffic dies down, you know, and it, you know, how it does in Texas. It got better. And so I got home very carefully, told my husband and said a few things. And so that was that. But I'll never, I I turned loose of that wheel. If I had held on to that wheel, well, who knows what would have happened. But I let God, I said, God, you've got to take this wheel. You've got to do it. I can't. I cannot do it. Cannot do it. I admire you people that can drive in it. I cannot. I cannot do it. Okay, so there's a little bit more to go, but I promise to get you out of here. Um, on time tonight, and I hope you've enjoyed this lesson.